Okay. Good everybody and welcome to the picnic table ant chat episode number nine tonight we've got with us the canada ant colony if you want to go ahead and say hello to everybody everyone brilliant thank you for coming on the show to uh, with us tonight um as always we have a load of questions for you and i'm just gonna jump straight in to start the night because otherwise we'll be here forever um so when did you get into ants and what Got you into it, really? Okay, when did I get into ants? Um, oh lord. I would say probably f six years ago now. It's I didn't realize it was that long. Um, five to six years ago. Um, I it was through YouTube. I don't remember actually what channel it was. I know it was an ants Canada. It was, it was actually a. Uh, I I remember distinctly. Uh, that was a lady with a British accent, but I think after that, uh, this was back in like October. So I did a bunch of research over the winter and I kind of started my first colonies, um, I guess that May. Okay. So so, quite a long time. Really, a long time. I didn't realize it was so long. It kind of it spirals out of control before you realize it, doesn't it? Definitely. So um, when did you open your ant shop? Now, I think the ant shop, uh, I would say around three years ago, I think, in terms of the website. But I've been selling ants probably uh, ever since I first started keeping ants. Uh, yeah. The reason is because I didn't really have much, at the time, I didn't really have much of a budget for ants generally. So then anything that I would have would be kind of, uh, initially funded from, you know, like selling these colonies to begin with. So me selling ants, that's been going on for a long time. Canon Ant Colony as a, as a company, not so much. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So um, what do you actually sell now? What do I sell now? Um, I would say <clears throat> more or less anything like, well, obviously ants, right? Um, and then anything kind of even remotely related to it. So that looks like formicaria, that looks like um, most ant keeping supplies, uh, th even things like feeder insects, some formicaria, starter sets, things like that. Brilliant, so basically everything that someone could need to start ant keeping they could get from your site. Yeah, it, absolutely. Brilliant. Um, and what's the sort of rules on shipping? Because I know, obviously, you're in Canada. So mm -hmm. what is the rules on shipping ants around? Um, so we're actually allowed to ship freely across province lines. Um, we still, okay, we can ship internationally uh, as long as the, like, importer has their paperwork in order. So it's uh, a little bit different from, uh, I guess, like, Europe uh, because you know we're, we're liable even if it is like the other party which doesn't have their paperwork in order but you know within the country it's we can free we can ship as anywhere we want okay okay but you can't ship into the usa can you with ants? i can't ship into the usa i know i can ship to japan um, wow. i can ship to i forgot there, there are there are a couple other countries that i've that i've shipped to before because i checked through the whatever uh, agency and they didn't have any particular restrictions that's cool that's really interesting but um say you are in the usa could you still get formicarium from you 
For Macaria, anything not alive uh, works great. Brilliant. So you still can receive those products. That's just good to know, you know, because uh, we're also looking into a... like kind of partnering with a couple of US stores. If we can figure yeah. out any sort of like import or export permissions. Um, so might be an option in the future, but not right now. Yeah, yeah. We're really kind of hoping that it does go that way. Have you um they've just put a load of new rules in, in the USA. Have you heard about them that they can um can't ship things i'm not really sure of it because i haven't looked into it to be completely honest but i know they're getting a lot stricter on exotic pet owners so i don't know if it's actually going the opposite way for us now uh do you mean like the lacy act maybe <laughs> i'm anyway. not 100 sure it's something fairly recent i know it's just caused a lot of issues for exotic pet owners Mm -hmm. So, to what I'm aware, it basically means that in the U.S., we're going to have um, people aren't going to be able to ship any exotic pets, other than they're going to have a deregulated list um, of what you can ship over state lines. So, for example, uh, let's say you have like a species of snake, uh, and it's not on their specific list, you cannot ship it to another state. Um, anything on like anything deregulated is probably going to be a fairly common species um like you know leopard geckos bearded dragons things like that i don't to my knowledge it doesn't affect ants um and actually ants are still a bit more strict um i would say it's just like a trend in a bunch of places where um people are starting to move like more and more i guess like pets especially in the u.s into the same categories or the same sorts of regulations that would work out yeah. in uh, like insects, anything like plant pests. Right, okay, that's fair, that's fair. Um, so you said about your um, other people, you're working out if you can send ants to other people. I noticed that you actually sell other people's products. You've got some Tar Heel ant products and things like that. So how's that come about? um sorry could you clarify like what do you mean well when i was looking on your website i saw you had tar hill and mini hearse did you not yeah yeah so is that something you ship yourself is that a deal that you set up with tar hill to sell their products as well uh so basically for most of these items uh what i because we buy in very large quantities uh we get a fairly good discount and then so they just come to our place we ship from uh yeah, that's really cool. I, I absolutely like, like the Tar Heel Ant products are amazing. I think the mini herfs are really cool. They're great for like honey pots and things like that. Really well designed. So when I saw those products on your um, site as well, I was just like, oh, wow, that's that's actually really cool. Having that slight variation and it like it introduces you to a new product seller as well, which, um, you know, I really like that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, so um, I mean, when you're when you're shipping your ants, do you uh, give them like a live arrival guarantee, that sort of thing? All right, so that kind of changes based on the season. So I'm sure everyone realizes, or everyone's heard the stories. It's Canada, right? Um, we get like temperatures of negative fifty in some places fairly regularly during the winter. So uh, in the summertime, shipping is pretty easy. There's a live guarantee on arrival. And depending on the species, up to one month afterwards. So, like, for example, 
there's no way someone's gonna really kill a Laceus queen, like unless it is the absolute worst of circumstances. Yeah. Um, I think it's two weeks for parasites, and during the winter, it's the same stuff, but we will basically put delays uh, throughout the year, depending on the weather, uh, when the temperature gets a bit too low. And in addition to that, for to qualify for a live guarantee, basically, uh, there's an extra shipping option at checkout. It's yeah. basically you add the heat pack and a bunch of other extra shipping supplies and insulation to the package. Um, that's required for the guarantee during the winter. I think that's really sensible, actually, very sensible, because, like you say, it, it gets so cold that it's like, um, I think you kind of have to take some responsibility as a buyer as well. You know, you kind of have to recognize that. Um, so what is the size of your operation? Do you have, like, people working for you? Do you have your own shop and premises? Um, what sort of size is it? Right now, it's just a home-based operation. Um I do like have a lot of uh, people locally who help me with certain things, especially with ant collection. That's mostly, that's, I would say 30, 50, even 80 people just across Canada, just so we can get the full, full diversity of that. Yeah. Um, but anything internal is typically done just by like one or two people. Yeah, that's fair. Do you have plans to grow it into like a, like, Myself, what I would dream is like a big shop where you have all the different ants laid out and all the different formicarium and, you know, have you got plans to grow into something else? Um, well, right now we're actually selling to a fair number of pet stores already. So we already do have a lot of these ant products like physically in these locations. Um, I would say that we, it, it is possible to have like an actual physical location as early as like later this year. Um, but it's more so, you know, when is it worth it versus when it's possible? Yes. Yeah, yeah. that is definitely it. Like trying to actually make enough money to pay for your own premises from and keeping would be, you'd have to really get a lot of footfall, you know what I mean? And that's hard work yeah. with just ants. Um, so in Canada, you say you've got uh, people all across Canada helping you get ant collection. What sort of ants do you find locally to yourself? Um, what sort of ants locally? I would say most things which are native to Ontario, I'm able to find myself. So this typically looks like um, a bunch of like Laceus, Chromatogaster, so like garden ants, carpenter ants, oh, sorry, um, acrobat ants. Um, yeah bunch of formica um, but really I've I, I think that just because Canada is so large it's always been just better uh, or it's always been easier to depend on people from like other parts of Canada so for example carpenter ants right if I go out look myself maybe in a day I can find like 10 of them during their flights yeah. uh, but for example in like rural parts of British Columbia that's the main ant that they have so I've had people catch like 500, 600 yeah. in a couple hours. And, you know, no matter what I do here, it's not really going to yeah. up yeah. that. Yeah, that's fair. Do you like go out when there's a nuptial flight locally? Do you go out just for fun or is it more of a business trip? It's 
mostly for fun. I would say that I would do fine if I didn't like go out and collect ants, but I really enjoy just uh, especially finding some of like the um, the species that have like specific habitats here or just yeah. understanding like the different ecology. It, it, it helps me with the setups kind of in raising the ants. Um, but yeah, I would say mainly for the enjoyment. Do you get carried away? Like, um, like I, I always kind of set myself a number. I want to try and get a couple of this or a couple of that, and then I'll call it quits. And then when I'm there, I'm like, oh, there's another one. There's another one. <laughs> do you like get carried away and just keep going for it like I do? Um, for me, I would say that, like, personally, I don't really have a limit. Um, I think it's as far as kind of, uh, I feel is a, like, okay, to eat, like could be sold and B won't like hurt the environment. So for yeah. example, something like temnothorax, they fly in the thousands, right? But nobody needs 4,000 temnothorax. So usually it's like a couple dozen. I'll stop there. Um, and just like kind of enjoy what, what else is there, what, what else is left. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really well, sorry so for people who sell uh, ants to me yeah. uh, sometimes i'll put limits on that quantity because uh i can't take four thousand acorn ants but yeah 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 no that's that's that like you say if someone tried to sell you like they say four thousand acorn you'd be stuck yeah. with that until you got like yeah yeah i yeah. don't have the space and resources for that no no you'd be overrun with acorn ants for a start um so you're quite into education as well you I, i've noticed that about you um can you explain to me what the school and project is that you've got going <clears throat> yeah so um kind of all across canada well actually so the story goes uh when this was a couple of years ago when i first implemented like a review system on my website um, and I noticed there were actually in the first couple of weeks, like two or three reviews, which were about like, uh, what were rather, which were from teachers who like bought colonies, uh, for their classrooms. Yeah. Um, and I know just because, uh, I'm kind of in those circles that a lot of times that if this happens, uh, it's from like the teacher's personal budget and not like that of the school. So kind of the idea of the project is that um as long given that like a teacher is in a chartered classroom so that's like a, pub, a, a federally recognized or provincially recognized like public or private school uh they can basically just apply for having a very small setup sent up sent to them and the the setup the setup help for that and it's absolutely free except for shipping that that's really cool like that's I've tried to do the same thing myself locally just to get some of the schools into it and like get the kids into it. I've given away stick insects and ants and just anything that you know mm -hmm. kids are going to be interested in. So I, I thought that was really cool actually. That's really amazing of you. Is that something that you you would want to like expand out like into I don't know, do you just do primary schools or is it all schools? You could get it into universities, maybe even museums. I don't know um at the point of okay so mostly primary schools we do secondary schools also um for university typically at that point 
we, we ask that they do just pay for the colonies. Um, partial, one of the reasons is because uh, universities are actually make some of the larger orders to our site. So for example, um, I think like uh, I've worked with a couple of projects from uh, McGill, I believe, and uh, the University of Ottawa. And typically there are orders of like a couple hundred queens. It'd be a bit too much of a cost on me. And it's also just a lot of like, you know, lost revenue. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's fair and, enough. And they can't afford it. So. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Like, like you say, that's a that's a big project to be involved in. Um, but I, I still think giving them to the schools, that's really like well done to you. Like hats off. Like getting kids into ants is is amazing, and that's what we're all about, you know. Um, um, so, so actually, sorry. So for things no. like museums uh, and zoos, those typically it's still a paid thing, um, but. For example, for especially filmmakers, like temporary temporary use, um, we do loan out or like giveaway or not giveaway, but we we do loan out colonies for free. Um, and actually, interestingly, I've been looking for a tetramorium colony in the UK for a bit. Actually, for uh, I believe like a BBC documentary. If anyone's interested, who's watching? Oh, oh, so. Explain to us more about that. We're all interested in that. Come on, you can't you can't drop a bombshell like that and not not explain it. So uh, it's for I forgot which production studio, um, but they publish a uh, but they create a lot of these documentaries for the BBC. Uh, yeah. It's they're doing some documentary on urban ants. So they had a little segment in New York. Right now they've returned to London for whatever amount of time they're looking to kind of have those same shots. I'm assuming to contrast the yeah, role yeah. of the species. I'm not too involved in the documentary, but uh, they're looking for a mature colony in the UK. Still, that's really cool. That's like, it's cool that they've approached you about that as well. That's super cool. Anything like that I'm into, like the more ant stuff out there, the better. I've watched pretty much everything, so the more that gets made, you know, the better it is. Um, so what's the kind of community like in Canada? Is there a big ant-keeping community? Is it sort of a hidden hobby still for most? I'm not actually too sure about this. I would say the Canadian ant-keeping community is probably around 10,000 people, if you would qualify uh like people who keep like who have kept gel farms or people yeah. who have kept dance but don't go online i would say maybe you could grow that to like twenty five thousand. it's still a relatively small hobby it's definitely growing very fast yeah yeah but it, it's definitely growing in the uk as well like the rate of growth is quite impressive over here we've got so many ant shops now and everyone's just kind of everyone's so into it you know so you know, it's it's going the right way. I think it's it's catching up with other hobbies, other exotic keeping, and I think technology's sort of starting to catch up as well. Because technology in the hobby, like fifteen years ago, was absolutely rubbish, and it's definitely in the last few years got a bit better. Definitely, yeah. 
Um, uh, that is mainly just through people keeping ants and experiencing what doesn't work, I suppose. Like we, the humidity has got so much better, things like that, you know. Like um, the products I started with years and years ago, they didn't even think about like humidity. It wasn't even a part of the instructions. Oh. Now, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, now it's like a main mean. feature. Now it's the main feature that they build into the nest is like this is the hydration port and you know so it's taken seriously now things like that i really i'm excited about the future of ant keeping oh, um, sorry you, you froze for a sec um that's right. i would say it's definitely the same here too especially with what you're saying about humidity one thing that we're uh we aren't into yet is actually the lighting um, well, because people generally think that, like, you know, ants are creatures, they kind of live in the darkness. Um, in my opinion, this actually isn't true. So in the past couple of bit, I've been experimenting with, like, captive breeding of ants. So that would be, okay. like, simulating nuptial flights indoors. I've noticed that, like, light is a very big factor in that. I think I've uh, had flights for seven or eight genera now. Um, and it's actually something we've had universities come and talk to us about. So yeah. even though I would say it is like getting a lot better in terms of ant care, there's still a really long way to go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So how do you do that? Can you explain that a bit more? Like, how does it work? Like, I thought about how to simulate sort of nuptial flights and stuff like that, but how do you do that? Um, some of it is a little bit of a secret, but right. kind of a gist of it is um, I find that most ants seem to have a couple key like indicators for when to fly. It's more or less based on the species and the habitat. So for example, most desert species, they really, they'll really get going if you, for example, um, soak them in water. So naturalistic setups are the best for this. Yeah. Um, and then add either like a heat lamp or a UV light on top, it'll get the elates coming out, right? There's a process to this. Um, there's also things like, I know ventilation's important for, yeah. especially like uh, the smaller ants, which instead of flying around, they'll call for the, rather the queens will like call for males, having a little bit of airflow lets the males know where to go, right? Yeah. Um, the gist of it, I would say most ants do well with uh, ultraviolet light as kind of a flight trigger but again it's there's a little there, there's tweaks for each different for for yeah. each genre. yeah well that's really interesting and again well done to you for working that out because that's some quite intense stuff that takes a lot of research and study to get right so really well done um have you got any interesting stories that you want to share with us like either good or bad stories i always say like there was this one time where I saw a test tube full of ants and it just started rolling off the the work surface. I managed to do like a ninja flip. You'd never seen me move in a way that was so awesome. And I caught it just before it hit the floor. It's probably my most awesome ant keeping story, but I'm just wondering if you've got anything interesting. Uh, so I'm not sure if everyone's aware of this, but harvester ants, so Pogonomermex, uh, I yeah. think they're up there on like the most venomous insects on earth. Oh, um, wow. So I keep a fairly large colony of um, 
the Western Harvester Ant, so that's Pogonarma mexoccidentalis. Nice. And once when transporting the colony, uh, I, I lost my grip and the glass like slid off. Oh, right, right. Yeah, so I was having a, a couple thousand uh, of, these, of these ants just crawling around the carpet. It was a really stressful day, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, I bet. What did you do to clean them up? How did you sort that out? Well, typically, what I've learned is that um, a lot of ants, right? And I, I'm, I'm sure anyone who has like a colonies in test tubes understands understands this. They don't really like to go out, so yeah. what I did was like surrounded the area. I put the um, the enclosure back in. I covered the top with a piece of wood, and I made the surroundings really cold, I turn up the uh, the air conditioning, right? So their first instinct run back. I left them there yeah, for, yeah. I think, half a day, maybe a full day. Um, and the day after, it was just like 10 ants on the ground, and everyone's inside kind of huddling from the cold. Wow. Wow. Well done. Um, that's, that's, again, it's really smart thinking, because obviously ants don't like the ventilation. They don't like airflow too much and things like that it makes them go back into the net that's really ingenious thinking actually quite often my way of dealing with escapees is i'll put down like a sugar tower and i'll basically wait for them to go and feed at the sugar tower as soon as i see them in a box but you know that is actually a really interesting way of doing it i like that a lot um so is it did you get stung what's the most painful ant that stung you uh, I've been to, well, I would say I've, I've had one sting that left a visible mark for at least three weeks. That was oh. definitely the most painful. Um, so my family's in China and occasionally like we go back for just to visit family. Right. Um, but they're from the very Southern part of China. So this is where you see like all the exotic ants. You can find like Carabara out in the wild in the backyard. Um, trap giants, things like things like that. Nice. <sighs> One time, I was in just a little park, and I saw in uh, I think it was an entrepreneur or Pachycon or, or Pachycon right. like worker. No, it was a queen this large. Right. It's my first instinct, right here in Canada. They're not that bad. I grabbed it and it turned itself around and stung my finger. And I could see like a little hole there afterwards for a couple weeks. Wow. wow. I would say that was the worst. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That, like some ants are really quite impressive with their jaw power, you know, like their mandibles can really cause some damage. I'm not about to test that anytime soon. No, that's fair. So um, what other ants do you actually own yourself as your own? And pets and not the ones that you're going to sell um all right let's see i actually don't have that many colonies i feel like everyone has like a little phase in ant keeping where they have like 600 colonies and they go back down to like three um yeah. my few i have the the harvester ant colony i was talking about before they're yeah. doing really strong uh and actually we're working on like having just a bunch of local keepers of the species produce elates, maybe we can have like almost like a Canada-wide breeding project in those. They're not too difficult. They're a desert species triggered by water. Um, 
I have Ephenogaster tenacinensis. So that's a parasitic species of Ephenogaster. They're yeah. really, really beautiful because the queens are bright, shiny red, and they look like cards. Um, I have Formica bradleyi, a couple hundred workers. Uh, this is just an orange Formica, and I'll be honest, they're not going to be too, too impressive compared to ev everything else, especially because we're actually um, getting a couple of exotic species in. Um, but they are one of my favorites just generally, and um, it's been one of sort of like our specialties for so long. I can't, I, I'm not giving them away. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm still going through that, like you say, the crazy stage. I've got 37 colonies at the moment. 37. Yeah, yeah. But like, I, I've done it the smart way. I've got shelves set aside for every single colony and like there's room to grow. You know, I planned ahead for that. Like, I knew what I was taking on. I'm a bit yeah. mad like that, though. Bit mad. Um, what's your favorite species? my favorite species um do you mean locally or generally anything anything, anything. yeah uh, now i can't have these but i haven't offered them several times uh there's two species i think are amazing there's polyrachis cyanoventris so those are the the blue spiny ants yeah yeah like they they look beautiful don't they they're like amazing they're amazing, but they're big too. They're, I think, almost a centimeter for the workers. Wow. Um, if it weren't for the laws, I'd have dozens, probably. Uh, the other one is Dacaton. I'm not sure if you're aware of them. So no, I don't think I know that one. It's an it's an arboreal trap jaw ant species. They have massive colonies. I think, like there was one paper they estimated the colony size to be over, well, not over, close to a million workers. Wow. Um, they're polymorphic. They have the little trap jaws. Yeah, um, yeah. And the way they nest in trees um, and the way they attack prey, so they'll spread eagle the, um, like any insect that approaches. It's also very yeah. similar to weaver ants. Kind of the best of all worlds, in my opinion. That's really cool. So, like you say, they've got like the weaver ant, they've got the trap jaw ant, they've got like all the different bits. Like that. that's cool. Yeah, they're also like larger that. than carpenter ants. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I, 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 my one of my favorites is my polyrachis dives, the ones that were on show at the start of the the interview. And yeah, just I don't know, a blue polyrachis. To be honest, I think that's one of my dreams. But I, I, I want army ants. I cannot wait to like have a big enough setup. I need like 10 meters by 10 meters or something stupid but i want the proper army ants that'd be so cool i don't think it's actually doable maybe it's doable do you have a species in mind um no i i do but to be honest it always i always forget what it's called um uh enictus yes yes something like that it started with an e so acid acetone? I'm not sure. I'm right. not sure. Yeah, no. I'm not sure. But I know it started with an E when I was looking at it. I was like, it's those ones. But basically just army ants. I just love the way they like they destroy everything in their path. They go out in their massive like columns and 
I think they're awesome, you know, but they're really hard to keep. They're pretty much impossible to keep, really. You know, I think, um, at least in North America, I'm not sure about what's been happening over the over the pond. Um, there's been a couple kind of advances in that. Yeah, it seems like most of the smaller army ant species, so anything I would say smaller than that, yeah. can be kept relatively easily. You just have to have a lot of uh, brood from other ants, typically. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, is there any ant species that you don't like? I don't like. I feel like generally, uh, the more bo the boringness of the species for me is proportional to. How, sorry, is it, it, it is proportional to how well they sell. So that kind of offsets it for me. Like for example, I would never in my life keep uh, tetramorph immigrants. So like, uh, I think in the UK it's spitum. I would never keep them like voluntarily for fun, but they sell so often that I kind of have to. Um, I think the big thing is just ants are so exciting because of all of the different behaviors, but those behaviors like the what's interesting about them is exactly what is what what makes them not at all beginner friendly so like parasites for example yeah 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 no that's fair i mean one of the things for me is i don't like like i, I don't want to say i don't like solanopsis geminata or invicta but like, i i don't like the way it's just too overpowering if you know what I mean, it's just too fast, too much. And I, I just don't think it's like, if that's your one colony, fair enough, that's fun. But if I was to add that into like my 30 odd colonies, it's just too much. And I think it kind of takes the fun out of it. You're always worried about the barrier being right. You're worried about escapees and a bit of a nightmare. Oh, actually, sorry. No, never mind. I do have one species that I dislike. Go on. Uh, Pharaoh ants. Uh, yeah. I had a, I had a colony collected locally. Um, they escaped somewhere into the walls, so now and yeah. cleaning them out from the outworlds of the colonies I do have. Yeah. Um, Are they, they a bit of an issue? Big, pardon? Are they an issue? Like, do they fight with your other ants, or do they just kind of sneak about? Well, if they snuck about it, it wouldn't be an issue, no? Um, I would say the main thing is that, like, very small colonies are sort of in danger. They seem to know to avoid anything with more than, like, 10 workers. Um, uh, so yeah. it's not a huge deal. Um, but I really don't like them running around. So I think I, I've been just going through everything and taking out like two or three pavement, sorry, two or three Faravan queens every month or so. Hopefully, at some point, it stops. <laughs> oh, God. Like, I couldn't imagine that. Over here, I've got like a latest Niger queen, which has worked her way into the brickwork somewhere. The workers come in every summer, they come into the kitchen, they search for food. Little bit of a nightmare. I don't mind it too much. The wife doesn't like it. But Actually, having multiple queens running about and 
feather ants are just a nightmare. Let's be honest. They are a nightmare to get rid of. They're, they could be there forever. It's not just multiple queens. Uh, two weeks, uh, actually, not two weeks. Three months ago, I took out 30 queens from a little, uh, from actually, they were hidden between the folds of a cardboard box. Wow. Um, and I would say like two months ago, so uh, back in like early January, yeah. pulled up another 14 queens from inside the box that I used to keep Laceus. It, it's just not very pleasant. Uh, wow. And I suspect they're trying to get into the electronics. Yeah. Yes. See, I, I've noticed that as well. Do you find that ants are um, attracted to electrics? I think they'd like the static charge. Uh, to my knowledge, it's just the heat, and especially because uh, right now my house is the room temperature is just five to ten degrees, uh, not five to ten degrees, is like ten twelve degrees Celsius. Yeah. Um, and anywhere where it's plugged in, it's a lot warmer. I believe that's the reason, but yeah, doesn't make me like them anymore. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, so, do you have any other pets apart from all the ants? Uh, other pets. Well, I have a spider with uh, just little um, Antilles blue legs of Carabina versicolor. Nice. Um, it's adorable. It almost died because of the pharaoh ants. So, oh no! Another reason not to like them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now it's in a much more protected enclosure. I have uh, a couple dark frogs too, but. Obviously, they're not too bothered by the ants, and uh, yeah. I would actually hope more feral ants get into their setup. Yeah. So, do they eat them? To my knowledge, they will. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would have thought so. Yeah, I, I think that's one oh, of the reasons that they, in the wild, they become toxic to toxic to begin with. So maybe not too many, but that, right. I, I like that there is even the idea of some sort of control, even if it probably doesn't actually happen. Yeah, no, like, unleash the toads, you know, let them out, <laughs> see what happens. Um, do you have any other hobbies that are like, interesting? I do so many different things, like ant keeping's not just my only passion in life. Do you have anything else that you're passionate about? Anything else? Uh, a lot of things. Uh, I do a lot of biking. Uh, which isn't that interesting, but it it's not the biking really for me. It's the idea of just getting lost somewhere because I'll typically yeah. go maybe like 120 kilometers somewhere and then slowly kind of navigate my way back. And I, I, I just enjoy the process really. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Most things I just do them as they come. So they're not, I, I don't have too many recurring hobbies. But yeah. I've done most like martial arts at some point in my life. I, I fenced for four, four or five years, I think. That's yeah. cool. Wow. Right? Things like that. But nothing that stays with me, I guess, as long yeah. term as the answer right now. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So it, it, you're pretty much up for most things. That's cool. That's cool. But ants are definitely your passion in life, let's be honest. Maybe not in life, but for now, yes. For now, for now, for now. For now. For now. <laughs> um, 
we're getting towards the end of the interview. So if anyone in the chat has any further questions, please do pass them in now. Um, what beginner species are local to you? So if you were to go out and with a brand new ant keeper, what species would you try and catch for them locally to you? In my opinion, the best one is chromatogaster. They grow really fast. Um, they're, they're not boring, in my opinion, just because of you know, the way they flare up their abdomens. Um, and kind of they're, they're a fast-growing species. They love heat. Uh, you just can't go wrong with them. It's something that I think that uh, like more advanced ankeepers would love. Something that kind of and that beginner ankeepers are going to love too. Um, other than that, I typically recommend like Placius and Tetramorium. So just because they're not really killable. Uh, and the other big thing is that you can still have them do pretty well if you don't, if um, the person has a cold house, right? Like um, yeah. Chromatogaster, I've noticed roughly a four times difference in growth between like 28 degrees and 20 degrees flat. So most people don't want it. So people who don't want to deal with heating cables, things like that. Yeah. That's fair. At least, you know, like you said, if you don't want to deal with those heating cables, they will still grow, but just a bit slower. Yeah. But they won't halt. No, which is the main thing, because that's just kind of pointless then, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, is there any main piece of advice that you would give to someone who's beginning in ant keeping? Uh, in my opinion, the biggest thing is heating and uh, sorry it, it's heating and keeping the formicarium small um yeah heat just makes such a big difference for so many species i don't really think it's something that can be understated uh i have a bunch of ants that they won't lay eggs at all if you don't get if they don't get heated other ants yeah. they just will grow at the slowest pace you can imagine yeah um heat's super important Humidity, I would say it's a big thing. Uh, too low, they start eating the larvae. It, it's not fun generally. And the, the other big thing, right? Because eggs and lar larvae, they're mostly water. They're just balls of water. Yeah. You really can't have enough for most things. Yeah. yeah. I think I think water is always understated how important it is. Like you say, everything is made of water. Like we're 70-something percent water. It's really important to always make sure you've got plenty of fresh water supplies around the uh, uh, nest areas. In fact, um, one thing I do find in my own personal research is having multiple water sites will increase the rate of growth. I think that's because they know they've got all those extra resources. They just think, well, let's go for it, you know. Sorry, well, where did you see that? And when I've just... Um, in keeping my ants myself so like, if you've got just one test tube of water i think the growth can be like normal rate but if you've got like two or three places that they can go and collect water from i just find that it just speeds them up a bit better i actually haven't noticed that yet but perhaps that's just uh because i typically don't give more than one water source mostly because it's it saves me a lot of space but i'll, yes. I'll, I'll look into it yeah yeah i mean like i said i think it's just the they know they've got like that abundance of extra resources sort of like when you power feed your ants you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. giving them more and more they know they've got it so they're going to use more as such 
that's what I feel anyways. That's kind of what I've noticed. I might be wrong. It might just be an observation I saw and there's nothing actually to it scientifically, but, you know, it's something I've definitely noticed. Mm -hmm. um, if you could change one thing in the ant keeping hobby, what would you change? One thing in the ant keeping hobby. As much as it pains me to see this, uh, I would say more widespread adoption of common names. Now, I personally prefer the the scientific name by far, but I do notice that it's a lot easier for you know beginning ant keep for people who are starting ant keeping, or uh, people who just don't aren't super into it to talk chromatogaster instead of acrobat ants, even if it's something that they've kept for a long time, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I completely get that. Like, it, it kind of, that, uh, the jargon, I think is the word, isn't it? It's all the jargon yeah. on all those extra names. It is that next level. And I think, like you say, using the common names as well as perhaps the scientific names, it just opens up that, and to the community a bit more doesn't it makes it a bit more accessible a little bit easier even just like i feel basing like common names on versions of scientific names yeah. even if it's not a very it's even if it's not a perfect system it's still one that you know yeah. uh like murphy's lacy sorry murphy's citronella ant even if you don't know the name you can still guess it's probably something like lacius murphyi yeah, no, I, I completely get that, definitely. Um, last question before I go through the chat and see if we've got any. Um, what are people's reactions to when you tell them what you do? Do you, you say you've got quite a good community in Canada. Do people just kind of take it like you're an ant keeper, okay? Because in the UK, if I tell people I'm an ant keeper, they'll go, what? Like, what are people's reactions over there? I think it's like getting a little bit normalized. So uh, if I tell someone that I keep ants, it's still a, oh, huh, right. Um, but a lot of times, and I'm seeing this a lot more and more, it's like, oh, I know this other person who keeps ants too. And yeah. then I do that. Yeah. Um, so I think just through my through friends which aren't related to ants, I've come to know three or four ant keepers. And so I think overall it, it it's not it's a big role, but it's smaller than we think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um I have got a question here that's come through on the Discord. And it's just saying, do you think that Ants Canada has had a good impact on the hobby or a negative impact on the hobby? Um, I'll just throw my view out there to start with. I think he's done amazing things bringing people into the hobby, but sort of some of the views, uh, some of the videos that he's done lately haven't quite been to my standards, like ethnically, if you know what I mean. Like, um, Let's just be honest. I didn't like the one where he put the eight colonies together. 
um after that i just you know i haven't quite enjoyed the content in the same way so i don't know how you feel about it so just to be clear i don't watch ants canada at this point uh yeah. we did use to in the past i still feel like he's provided a net good uh, it, it's a net positive yes. um just because of like the outreach that it provides um i do feel that the info the actual videos you can you can tell it's a lot more entertainment than it is yeah. uh like actual actual education yeah. um and what's the other thing and i feel like there there's to some degree uh where the way his items are priced kind of scares away a lot of beginners and i'm wondering whether that would change even if for example things were like five dollars less or ten dollars less things like that yeah yeah no that's really interesting actually um i i think that's a good point as well the price like if you're getting into ant keeping you're looking to start really really cheap so having him as the main like people bringing the main person bringing people in it would be great to get him to drop those product prices and welcome in the community a bit better wouldn't it but, i would say that dropping the prices wouldn't even be such a big thing even just having nests that are suitable for smaller colonies which would yes. already be at a lower price just yes. by virtue right yeah Things like that. i think he does kind of he misses out that step a lot if you know what i mean it's kind of oh here are my ants and now they're this matters size and they're doing all of that he, i think it just kind of everyone gets the time scale of things a bit wrong if you know what i mean by his videos like you you kind of watch his videos you're gonna assume that you're gonna have this massive ant colony really fast um and it's it's a lot slower than that isn't it but i don't know let's be honest he does do amazing videos like you can't knock him for his videos but it's not quite the content that we want to watch anymore, which is a shame. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. But we can't knock him for his videos because he gets some cracking footage. And I mean, I, I sit there with my aunts for hours and I'm rubbish. I, could, I, I would never get footage like he does. That's fair. Um, and he does know his stuff, but I think he's just too few orientated. But oh well. But we'll leave it there. And that is literally the end of the interview. Is there anything else that you wanted to say? Mm. Nothing too large. I would say that, you know, if anyone here is uh, interested in kind of just uh, checking over, I'd recommend joining our Discord server. It's uh, Canadian Bug Keepers. Um, I think everyone's seen the website already, so... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I'll I'll make sure that we post all the links in my server and things like that as well. So it's very accessible for everyone to get hold of and get into your server. Um really just thank you very much for coming on the show and having this chat with me. It's been really interesting to like get to know you and find out what you've got going on over the other side of the pond. No worries, it was a it was a really nice talk. Brilliant. Well, I'll let you get on, buddy. Thank you very much. All right. Sounds great. Okay, bye. And there we go. Thank you, 
to the Canada Ant Colony for coming in. That was a really good interview, wasn't it? I'm glad we did that. Um, how is everybody in the chat? You've got me for a little while now. How are you all? You good? Um, what are we going to do? Should we have a duck race? Who's in the chat? Say hi if you're still in the chat, and we'll have a little duck race in a minute. Who wants to see the tank? Who wants to do this? Who wants to do that? I've got a million things to talk to you about, but I'm not going to tell you about it just yet. I'm going to wait and see who's in the chat first. Dino, are you still there? Jazz, you're still there. Hello, Jazz. Thank you for staying with me. We currently have five people in the chat, so you are the top duck. You like that, don't you? Top duck. That's, yeah. Top duck. Um, I don't know why my internet's been slow again. Right? I thought I sorted it out, and then it decided to start lagging. And it's just rubbish. It's just rubbish. Seven more days until we get fiber. Hello, Dino. Grab a duck, Dino. Um, four people in chat, so I'm still going for five ducks because Jazz is number five. It would be weird if she wasn't. Like, so we're going for five ducks. Whatever duck is there will be my duck. Uh, no prize just now. Um, we'll go for a minute. I have got some interesting stuff to tell you about. So, Dean, you can't be number six. There's five ducks, man. There's only four people in chat. So, Jazz is number five. Dean be... So Jazz is panda, panda duck. Dean be... This This is kind of what I imagine you to look like, Dean. Right, we're going to put you in a suit, little little red tie and a little blue suit and uh, that is dean the duck in the in the blue suit okay oh you're gonna be number three all right you'll be the blank duck but i still like to think of you like a professor duck all right like i shall be duck number one kind of a snow duck snow snowman duck snow duck I don't know. I think it would be wrong to call him a snowman duck. Um, right, let's start the race. Let's go. So, as I said, I'm not going to do a prize tonight um, or on this one anyways. Probably not tonight. But there is loads of new things coming on the server. I don't know if you've already seen. Um, check out the new stuff on the server. So, obviously, we've got the like pre-loved pre -loved section on the website shop. Now you can, on the Discord server, if you're part of it, now you need to keep, um, you will get, like, oh, what's the best way to say it? I, I've made a channel thing where I will put, like, discount codes and deals and, like, products which aren't on the website yet, which are there, and things that you can get at a cheaper price and things like that before they go on the website. So if you see something ping into that channel... Have a look because it might be worth it. There was a queen earlier, which got oh, number three. Well done, Dean. You smashed it. Um, there was a queen earlier that got sold. Um, 
basically dirt cheap because someone was trying to get rid of it. It didn't even make it onto the pre-loved section of the website. It went straight away on the Discord. So if you're part of the Discord server, have a look. It will go on there before the website, probably like 15 minutes before. So you won't even get that long. But get on there, have a look. But yeah, the Discord server is starting to change a little bit. When we reach 100 members, which are like two away, three away, it will change a bit more. But we've had a little bit of a shake-up today, made a couple of new channels and whatever, made it more accessible, and I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it. Um, got loads of new ants coming to the uh, channel soon. Loads of new ants coming to the channel soon. Some awesome stuff coming to the channel. Um, I probably shouldn't say too much about it, so I'm not going to for once. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. But there's lots of stuff coming, so you can make sure that you're watching all my videos for the next few weeks. I know you watch most of my videos anyways, because you're all absolutely awesome. But, yeah, make sure you watch the ones for the next couple of weeks. Um, but I am pretty much going to leave it there. I'm not going to hang about for hours tonight. I'm not going to give away loads of my secrets. I am going to leave you in a minute. Which is probably unexpected, I apologise. I am here on Discord, if you want to chat to me. I am I am everywhere, Facebook, Discord, the website, everywhere and every everywhere you look, I am there. You know how it is. But um, yeah, if you want me, I'm still going to be about, I'm just probably not going to be on the live. Um, what else was I going to say? Can't remember. People got their sub boxes today. That's really interesting, exciting. I was so happy when people started messaging me saying, "Oh, it's been received." Everyone was really happy. Like I've got zero complaints. I'm I'm in a good mood about that. But uh, on a serious note, no, everyone was happy. I'm hoping to like see some reviews or something come up at some point. But yeah, it seems to be going really well. Exciting stuff. Obviously, if you're interested, you can still sign up, get on board, and you'll receive month number one at the end of, or the start of this month, next month. You know what I mean. Start of next month, the boxes go out again. But yeah, you can start at any time, and you'll still get the first box in the right sequence. Yeah. Oh, God. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm rubbish at this, aren't I? But, but, yeah, I'm going to love you and leave you. Thank you, everyone, for joining me tonight. Uh, if you want me, I am in Discord. I'm on Facebook. I am everywhere. I will be there all night, or pretty much all night anyways. You know what I'm like. I've got a long list of jobs to slowly work my way through. Um, so if you want me, give me a shout. But as always for me, I will see you again soon, Amp fans. Thank you.